0: Hey, I'm Natalie Abbott. And I'm Vera Schmitz. We are sisters who host the Dwell Differently podcast. We help you memorize and meditate on one Bible verse every month. And all month long on our podcast, we talk about what that verse means, why it matters, and how we can apply that verse to our daily lives. Welcome back to the Dwell Differently podcast. It's your host, Natalie Abbott, and I am so excited for the month of August. I'm excited about the verse that we are studying and memorizing together, and I get to introduce it to you today and to teach you about its context, why it matters, and how does it fit into God's big redemptive story, and how we fit into God's big redemptive story, the story that he has invited each of us to be a part of and to participate in. So the verse that we are learning and talking about and memorizing this month, it comes from John 8, 32. It says this, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Such good words. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Awesome. I want that, right? Don't you? But what truth are we talking about? And what are we being released from? What is it that we need to be freed from in order to experience the freedom that that Jesus, who says this, is promising us. So that's what we're talking about today. And, and for those of you who have been with us for a while, you will know that this is uh, an unusual thing that we did this month. But last month we had another verse from John and they actually dovetailed together really beautifully. And so we actually decided to put them close together so that we could kind of build off of what we already learned from John 6, Twenty-nine. So if you haven't heard those episodes, you may want to go back and listen to them. But that verse says this, Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. And those of you who were here last month, remember that that's the theme of John. Will you believe? John wrote his gospel so that we would be continuously pricked with this idea. Will you believe? Will you believe? Do you believe? They didn't believe. There's so many quotes. In fact, John uses the word believe 96 times. And if I remember correctly, I think the closest any other gospel comes is like 13. So he really is emphasizing this idea of Believe, believe, believe. What are you going to believe? What is this truth? And how does this truth set us free? So that's what our verse is about this month. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But let's talk about its context. So we we know the bigger context of the book of John is, will you believe this? In fact, that's the big context of the entire Bible is, will you believe the claims of Jesus? Will you believe that he is God's own son sent to save the world? But if we look at it in the context of John 8, that chapter starts out with this really interesting little story. You see, there's a woman who's been caught in adultery. So she's had some kind of extramarital uh, activity that was not allowed, right, in Scripture. So we are not supposed to be adulterous. And the religious teachers bring her before Jesus. Now, interestingly enough, they don't bring the other person who the other party who is involved. They just bring her and they take her to Jesus and they put her on display in front of everybody and they look at her sin and they say, ha ha, we've gotcha. Right. And, and are they right? Are they judging her correctly? Well, if she had in fact committed adultery, then yes. Uh, Leviticus twenty ten says that both the adulterer and the adulteress are to be put to death. So they say to Jesus, what are you going to do with this woman, you know, she's supposed to be stoned. Are we going to stone her? Are we going to put her to death? So they pick up stones thinking this is what we're going to do, right? And they're correct that that sin is punishable by death in the law. But notice they didn't bring both parties. They only bring the woman and the man is also to be included. Both the adulterer and the adulteress are to be put to death. So they overlook this though, because the reality is that this woman is a convenient means of trapping Jesus. They aren't just there to condemn this woman. They're really there to condemn Jesus. And already we know from the book of John that they are tired of this Jesus, and they are coming at him with every murderous intent in their heart. They are done with him. They want him out of here. So their main intent has really not very much to do with this woman. She is just a convenient means of trapping Jesus. She doesn't mean anything. Her sin, her well-being, her spiritual good or bad, they don't care whether or not they're harming her. They really are there to condemn Jesus, not so much to condemn that woman. And right now, just like they felt about that woman, aha, we've got you, that's how they feel about Jesus, we've got you. And so here's the conundrum that they put Jesus in. They say either he's going to say, yes, we must follow the law. This woman is an adulteress, and therefore she must be put to death. Or he's going to lose face with his followers, right? So that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to catch Jesus. So for those of you who are familiar with the story, Jesus's response is baffling and beautiful. He says this, let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And the Pharisees sit there and one by one, starting with the oldest, they start to leave because wisdom will teach you and experience will teach you that none of us is without sin, right? That if they condemn her, then they're really condemning themselves. And this is the question that Jesus asks her after everybody leaves and she's just there, no longer in front of these condemning eyes, but just in front of the eyes of Jesus. He says, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And you know what? That's the question that we have to think about when we're confronted with our sin is who is the one that is judging us? And the only right judge, the only person that she really is exposed before is Jesus. But instead of condemning her, he says to her, then go and sin no more. And that's the beauty of this story is that Jesus' intention for her was for her good. It was for her salvation. It was for her spiritual health, for her eternal life. While the Pharisees came at her to condemn her, Jesus came at her not to condemn her, but to free her. And that is exactly what our verse is all about. It's about this mission that Jesus has to set people free. In fact, John tells us his intention, this mission he has for the world in John three sixteen, which I'm sure you're familiar with, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And this verse, it goes on actually. And this is the part that I really want you to hear. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes, there's that word again, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. So did you catch that? Jesus didn't come to the world to condemn it. God didn't send him to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That is why the father sent the son. And that is exactly what he has done with this woman. He says, if they can't condemn you because they're sinners themselves, I, the only righteous one, the only right judge, condemn you neither and go and sin no more. So Jesus' mission is to save the world, not condemn it, to save the adulterous woman, not condemn her, to save the liar, the false person, the murderer, the gossip, the thief, the sexual deviant, the cheat, every rotten, no-good stinker among us, even the self-righteous Pharisees who want to trap Jesus, even me. Jesus came to save the world, not to condemn it. He came to save us, not condemn us, to save me and not condemn me, to save you and not condemn you. I tell you all of this because this is the point of the rest of John chapter 8. This is what happens in the rest of the book. They, the, the religious leaders and Jesus have this big loggerhead discussion about who he is and what he has come to do. And the claims that he makes about himself essentially are what we read in John 17 and John 3, 17 and 18, that If they would just believe in him, they would be saved from their sin and free from the condemnation that they rightly deserve. And we see in verse 30 that many of these teachers actually, quote unquote, believed in him. So that's where we pick up our verse, and Jesus is talking to the ones who've just started to believe, and he's going to help them see exactly what it looks like to believe in him and he's going to challenge them here. This is what this means. So in verse 31, it says, to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Okay? So if you hold to my teachings, then you're my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So He's about to give them the goods. He's like, here I am. This is who I am. I am God's son. I'm sent to save you, not to condemn you. But before he even gets started, the religious leaders are like, whoa, 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 what? They, they, they grab onto that idea of being set free. And they're like, we don't like that. They answered him in verse 33. We are Abraham's descendants, and we've never been slaves to anyone. How can you say that we should be set free? See what they're doing there? they are already at odds with Jesus and they don't like what he's saying about them. They're like, wait a second. You realize we're kind of a big deal. Like We are the chosen people of God and our status as Abraham's children makes us free already. We have never been slaves, which is actually a lie because they were slaves for 400 years in Egypt and then another 70 in Babylon. And currently they're living under the thumb of Rome. But needless to say, They're saying our status as Abraham's children is what we are relying on that makes us free. So what are you talking about this truth that can set us free? We don't need that. We are justified before God because we are his chosen people, period. And our pedigree makes us righteous. To which Jesus says, no. (laughs) I'm sorry. You are slaves. He says uh, in verse 34, 35, and 36, "'Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin.'" So for those of you uh, listening at home, that means everyone, period, uh, because we all sin, right? Right. Then he says in verse 35, now a slave has no permanent place in the family. In other words, just because you think that you're born into the family of God, you don't have a permanent place because you're a slave to sin. But a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus is making clear here that their pedigree cannot save them. All their rule following isn't gonna do it. And all the people in the world, including them, even though they are God's chosen people, have sinned and are slaves to sin. So he gives them this metaphor about a son being the only person who can let the the servants or the slaves go free in a household. This is something only a family member could do. And He's saying to them that you are like those slaves. Because you sin, you are in shackles and you are not free. But I have come, the Son, from the Father to set you free. In John 1.12, it says this, To all who receive him, Jesus, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So this is how the Son sets you free. Not based on your pedigree, not based on what you do, but on whether or not you will believe. And remember our verse from last month, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent, right? So this is how you become children of God. This is what he is saying to them. I want to set you free. And if I set you free, you will be free indeed. But you know what they insist on? We are not slaves, They're following. They're totally tracking with Jesus right now, and they're following his metaphor, and they're like, listen, you are not able to set us free because we are not slaves. And they say to him, Abraham is our father. And then later they say, God is indeed our father. We're already sons. We don't need you. We are already free. Our religious pedigree, our status before God as his chosen people is what saves us. So they have this continuous back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And do you know what? In that whole back and forth, Jesus is constantly making these claims about himself. He's like, I ain't no regular son, okay? I am the real deal. I am the son of God. In fact, I am God himself. He makes these extraordinary claims, claims only the Messiah, the true son, the one true son could make, the one who could set them free. So he says, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. He also says that the father glorifies him. And he also tells them they they don't know the father, but he does. And he also tells them that Abraham saw his day, the day when Jesus would come, and he rejoiced, at which point they are like, listen, they've already said, are you possessed with a demon? And they're, they're getting really mad and riled up at this point. They, they don't believe any of this stuff anymore. They're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. But they say to him, when he says that Abraham saw this day and rejoiced, they say to him, how have you seen Abraham? You're not even 50 yet. That's impossible. To which Jesus responds, before Abraham was, I am. And for those of you who, who know a little bit about the Bible, like Abraham is a long, 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 long way back in the Bible. And so there's no way, unless Jesus somehow is claiming to to have some eternal ability, is he able to know who Abraham was, like that Abraham saw him. And they're like, wait a second. And they, they know exactly this reference. And when Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am, okay, that's not a normal English sentence, is it? Before Abraham was, you might say I was, but why does he say I am? Well, that is the very name of God that God says about himself. That is the the, the name that he reveals to his people in the Old Testament. The, he is the great I am. Therefore, he is eternal. He is uh, outside of our judgment and understanding completely. And so, Jesus makes this claim about himself. And you know what? They realize what he's saying. He's saying he is the son of God, God himself. And instead of slavery to sin, which leads to death, he's saying, I'm offering you something better. I'm offering you sonship. I'm offering you freedom and eternal life. So to all of that, to all of Jesus' claims, if you, if you read it along, I, I would challenge you to do so. Go back and read John chapter 8. They are just livid. They are not believing a word. They are saying, you are a liar, and now you're claiming even to be God himself. So do you know what they do? They pick up stones. Which, for those of you tracking, that is exactly where we started. We have come full circle These religious leaders came there to condemn, right? They came there with stones, dangerous stones that they were planning to hurl at somebody that they wanted to condemn. And the real person that they were trying to condemn is Jesus. And at this point, they are done with him. They do not believe in him, even though there was a moment when they thought, okay, we're gonna put our stones down. We're gonna listen to this guy for a second. But ultimately, they don't like what what he said about them. And the stones in their story are actually representative of a much more dangerous stone, which is their hearts. Their hearts are stone. They are hard and they are unable to hear and to perceive the gospel. They are unable to see Jesus for who he is, to see that he's come to save and not condemn because they don't believe. That they're condemnable. They don't believe that they need Jesus. They don't believe that they've done anything really that wrong, which is a very dangerous place to be. That is the most dangerous kind of stone that you will ever find, is the stone of a person's heart. So, what did they believe about themselves? That they were good enough, that they didn't need saving, that they weren't slaves to sins, to sin that they were in fact sons, and they were already insiders. So they don't need Jesus, and in this interaction, they are putting Jesus on trial, and the one whom they condemn is Jesus. He isn't who he says he is, and they don't really believe. Mainly, their point of contention, though, revolves around their inability to see themselves as sinful and in need of saving. So that's the pain point I want to really touch upon right now because I think it's precisely the pain point that many of us have in our relationship with Christ or that many of us have that don't have relationships with Christ. Like, who are you to say that I'm a sinner? Who are you to say that I do something wrong? Well, frankly, for me to say that doesn't matter at all because just like those Pharisees, I'm filled with sin myself. But when the God of the universe pokes his finger into your heart and says, there's sin in there, but I haven't come to condemn you. I've come to save you. That should be good news to us. And that's exactly what John is pressing in on us in this chapter. He's saying to us, if, if Jesus tells you that you're a sinner, will you still believe in him? Will you be honest with your sin and your failings? Will you confess that you could never measure up? Will you believe in the Son of God who came not to condemn the world, but instead to save it? Or are you going to hold on to your own righteousness and keep justifying yourself? John is asking us, what will we believe? And honestly, it reminds me of a passage from Acts 13, where Paul is talking to a bunch of non-believers And he's trying to present to them the gospel. And he says in verse 38, therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you are not able to obtain under the law of Moses, which is what the the Pharisees are trying to do here. And he says, take care that what the prophets had said does not happen to you. And the prophets say this, look, you scoffers wonder and perish for I'm going to do something in your days that you would never believe. Even if someone told you it's too marvelous, they are wondering at it, but they just can't believe. And so that's where I want to leave you today. I, I feel like we all have this choice. Will we believe the truth Will we be set free from our every sin or will we hold on to our own righteousness, our own rightness, and rely on that to justify ourselves? It's such a challenging verse, and I feel like it has so many applications. And that's our goal this month as we memorize it that we would know the truth and that that truth would set us free in every area of our lives, that Jesus has come not to condemn us, but to save us. He has come with this beautiful message, a message that we, when we believe it, changes everything and that we can then share with others. So I hope that you are able, as you're wearing your tattoos around um, and as you're memorizing and meditating on this verse, that you would share that truth with other people this month So thanks for being with me here today, and we look forward to next week when we will have a special guest, and we will be talking about how do we feel set free, and how do we apply this verse to our lives. And I am so excited for you to get to meet her. Hey, are you loving this month's verse, but you want a little bit more? Let me tell you. Every week, we write a devotional email and we post it on our blog online at DwellDifferently.com. And you can also sign up with your email there to get it every single Monday in your Monday morning email, just a little devotional to get your week started off right. So go over to DwellDifferently.com and sign up for our weekly email.